Welcome to Killian Baptist Church's podcast. My name is Pastor Chris Reynolds, the lead pastor of Killian Baptist Church in Columbia, South Carolina. Thank you so much for tuning into our podcast. Our desire at Killian Baptist Church is to be disciples of Christ who go out with the gospel that others might enter into a relationship with God. God bless you as you listen, and please consider subscribing so you can tune in every week. Well, once again, good morning and welcome to Killian Baptist Church. Uh, we're glad that you have chosen to, to worship with us this morning. Um, uh, right now, we are uh, walking our way through a series called uh, 2020 Focus. 2020 Focus. Obviously, we know it's the year 2020, but we as a church body, we are wanting to focus our attentions on the essentials of what it looks like to be a church according to what Scripture says, not according to what the latest surveys or the latest trends or the, the, what's popular in the here and now, but according to what the, the Word of God says, what is absolutely essential for us as a church body. And as we are picking up this series, this, this week we are continuing our focus on, on, on Matthew chapter 28, what we, most of us know as the, as the Great Commission, the, the, the call of Jesus Christ before he goes, before he ascends back into heaven, the call that he gives to his, his followers, his disciples, as, as he is preparing, as he is preparing them for what's about to come. And this week, it's the second part of this two-part message. The first part of it was examining the reality that we as Christ followers are called to engage in something called authentic evangelism. Authentic evangelism. That's what we talked about last week. We examined the, the reality that authentic re evangelism isn't just simply handing out a track or saying God bless you to someone or, or saying, uh, I hope you have a, a great day in the Lord or, or anything along those lines. No, authentic evangelism is an engagement that is supposed to be taking place on a day-in and day-out basis of our life. Because in this passage of Scripture, Jesus tells his disciples, those that call themselves disciples of Christ, he tells them, you, you are to go. And it's not just merely a, a, a destination to be reached. It's the idea of as you are going, as you are living life, you're supposed to be showing and sharing my love. So that means as you go to the grocery store, as you interact with the bank teller, as you interact with your coworkers, it's not merely a destination to say, well, in order to share the gospel, I have to go to some other place. No, as you are doing life, this is what authentic evangelism looks like. And, and the reason why this is a two-part message, because in this passive scripture, it's not merely about evangelism. It's also about a call to be and to make disciples. And so this morning, we're picking up the second part of this, this, this message, the, the Great Commission message that Jesus calls and puts forth to his, his disciples and then puts forth to us by default. We're looking at the second part, which is the importance of intentional discipleship. Intentional discipleship. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28, and, and, uh, and so I'm going to begin reading in verse number 18. So if you have your Bibles with you, and if you don't, that's okay. We're going to have it up here on the screen. Will you please stand for the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible, and inerrant word from the book of Matthew, chapter number 28, beginning in verse number 18. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. 
And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. May God bless the reading and the proclamation of his word. And may I preach as though never to preach again as a dying man to dying men. You may be seated. During this time in Christendom, or in the time in which, in the time in which Matthew is writing this, and the time in which this is being read and, and recorded, the, the term disciple was the most widely used terminology for those individuals that followed Christ. And it was more than just this fancy title. Or, or, or this, um, this, this, this name or, 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 or anything along those lines. It was understood that, that a disciple was, was an apprentice of sorts. Any of y'all that have gone into some sort of um, a trade of some kind, whether you work in the mechanical field or you're an electrician or you're a plumber or you work with air conditioned systems or, or, or something along those lines or maybe welding, there's always some sort of apprenticeship program that's put in place. I know specifically because my brother-in-law is an electrician and he had to go through an apprenticeship. Why? Well, if you're an electrician, you need somebody else that knows how to do what they're doing and knows how to do it right. Otherwise, you, you get shocked a little bit. A lot, actually. And even if you do know what you're doing, according to my brother-in-law, sometimes you still get shocked on occasion. But you have an apprenticeship program in order to, to learn what's going on. And that's what the understanding of the word disciple was in Jesus' day and age. It wasn't merely a, 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 a fan or somebody that stood on the sidelines and say, oh yeah, I follow that guy. No, it wasn't that at all. No, a disciple was a person or, or, or a group of persons that they would draw near to the teacher. They would draw close to the teacher and they would learn from them and they would live with them or, or alongside of them on a day in and day out basis. They understood what it was that that teacher stood for. They, under, they understood the, 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 the various arguments that that teacher would utilize. They, they understood their line of reasoning and their line of thinking. See, see, a disciple is not merely a fan that stands on the sidelines, but it's sort of like a, a mini version of the person that they are following. So they learn to listen like they listen. They learn to think like that person thought. They learn to do things like the teacher would do them. Therefore, a disciple of Jesus is an individual. It's an individual who has believed the facts about Jesus Christ. What are the facts about Jesus Christ? Well, the facts about Jesus Christ are the fact that he is his one, is God's one and only son. That he stepped out of heaven, out of perfection, and he clothed himself in order to subdue his holiness, he clothed himself in flesh in order to endure pain and difficulty and suffering and submission to God the Father while here on earth. He came to live the life that we could not live in order for us to have the life that we do not deserve. And so Jesus came down to earth and he lived a life of whole, complete submission to God. Never sinned once against God. Never sinned at all. And therefore, when he went to the cross and he died upon that cross, God poured out his wrath for my sin and for your sin upon the spotless lamb of Jesus Christ in order to make a way for us to be able to walk in right relationship with God once again by putting our faith and trust in what Jesus did and by saying, I want to follow after him. 
And then a disciple or a follower of Jesus is an individual that not only believes those facts, but then they express their belief by being baptized and by committing themselves to trusting Jesus daily. And pointing others to Jesus about who it is that Jesus is and what it is that Jesus has done in their life. This was the pattern for the early church. And this is still the blueprint for the church today. See, we as followers of Jesus Christ, I want you to hear this, will be intentional disciples. We as followers of Jesus Christ will be intentional disciples. I hope you take note that I removed any equivocation from that statement. As followers of Jesus, we will be intentional disciples. Therefore, the opposite of that statement is true as well. If you and I are not intentional disciples of Jesus Christ, as it's understood in the biblical context of what a disciple looks like, then we cannot rightly claim to be followers of Jesus. And I understand the implications of me saying that, because some of you are saying, well, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty harsh. But I I see no good from, from, from me being subtle concerning this subject. In his book, Not a Fan, Kyle Eidelman makes the observation that the biggest threat to the church isn't in the political arena. The biggest threat to the church isn't in who's sitting in the White House or who's sitting in the Senate, or the House, or who's sitting on the, at the judge's seat in the Supreme Court. The biggest threat to the, the Christian church isn't who's sitting on whatever level in government, or whoever's paying off people, or whoever's running the media. That's not the, the biggest threat to the church today. The biggest threat to the church today are fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Christ. They, they want to be close enough to Jesus to get all the benefits, but not so close that it requires anything from them. Continuing on from that, he, he makes a statement. He says, fans don't mind doing a little touch-up work, but Jesus, well, Jesus wants a complete renovation. Fans come to Jesus thinking tune-up, but Jesus comes to them and he says, I want an overhaul. Fans think a little makeup is fine, but Jesus is saying, you need a complete makeover. Fans think a little decorating is required in their life. Maybe get a couple of things cleaned up and cleaned up here and there. Yeah, I could use a little bit of tuning there, but Jesus wants a complete remodel. Fans want Jesus to inspire them. Oh, man, he's such a, a good teacher. I walked away so encouraged by what it is that Jesus has done and, and all that kind of stuff, and I feel inspired. But Jesus wants to interfere with their daily lives. There are some people that they believe themselves to be Christ followers, but they are merely fans, and this is the way that they evaluate the quality of a sermon. Did it give me goosebumps? If it gave me goosebumps, then it was a good sermon. I guess my question is, is did the word of God compel you to be transformed from the inside out? It's not the preacher that's supposed to do the convincing. It's the Holy Spirit that does the prodding and you that does the, the responding to the Holy Spirit and then God does a work 
in your life. Either you are an intentional disciple of Christ, growing in holiness, growing in in godliness and righteousness, and the fruits of the Spirit are beginning to manifest themselves in your life, the fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, or you are merely a fan who's absolutely lost and you believe yourself to be the means to your own salvation. So well, that's pretty harsh. Well, according to the scriptures, there is no middle ground on that. Therefore, what I want us to recognize from Matthew chapter 28 about the words of our Lord Jesus Christ is, is this challenge, this truth. Intentional disciples, they recognize and respond to Jesus' word because he's in charge. Intentional disciples, they recognize and respond to Jesus' word because he is in charge. Jesus says plainly, he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Who has all authority? Uh, let me, we want to make sure we get that resounding. Who has all authority? Jesus has all authority. And he says, as you are going, as you are living life, do these things. Make disciples and baptize them under the name of the sovereign God of the universe, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Make disciples of me, not me, Chris, but Jesus speaking. Make disciples like I've made you disciples according to the way that I've been doing things. Teach them to follow everything that I have commanded. He says, and remember, remember I am with you always. This is the call. This is what it looks like to be an intentional disciple, that we would recognize and that we would respond to Jesus' word because he is in charge. It's not enough to merely just recognize. You can openly admit, oh yeah, I believe in God. Well, my statement to that always is, is James's statement, you believe in God, you do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. It's not merely about recognizing the truths of who Jesus is. It's about responding to the truth of his word because he begins to be in charge when we truly recognize who he is and what it is that he has done. Either you recognize and respond to it as a result of the transformative work that God has done in your life or you don't because you believe yourself to be above the commands of the holy God. Either you strive to be and and make disciples of Jesus Christ or you seek to create a church or be a part of a church or full of disciples that look like you, talk like you, walk like you, act like you, and behave like you. This is an intentional decision. Here at Killian Baptist Church, if we hope to to make it another 10 years as we are longing and striving and working towards doing, then we have to be a church body who who deep down in our in our very souls believe that 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 being a Christ follower is an intentional decision to sort of be an apprentice of Jesus Christ, which means understanding what his word says, understanding what he is calling us to do, and then actually carrying out on that. We have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about recognizing and responding to the claims of our Lord and Savior. There is no program 
No personality, there is no, no ploy that matters outside of this truth of Scripture. Everything else other than this is a cheap impersonation of the real thing. and It'll send people to hell from the comfort of their own pew. Intentional discipleship it has to be an essential part of our story, our walk with Christ. You say, well, preacher, that seems a little bit extreme. Well, let me tell you a little bit of a story. See, many of y'all know that um, I've worked with the association here in Columbia. I've also had the opportunity to have conversations with pastors and church leaders outside of our association and even some in other churches. I've had the opportunity to serve on staff at churches of varying sizes. And God is giving that opportunity, and, and each one would came with its own difficulty, whether it would be a, a, church, of, um, a, a church of 50 or, or, or a church of 2,500. I've had the opportunity to serve in those capacities, and it's been incredible. It's been a great learning opportunity to me. Well, one of the churches I had an opportunity to interact and engage with, I noticed that the tool that they used and that we're using, and that we were engaging with, to draw people in, they were the programs, they were the personalities, and they were the, the marketing ploys in order to draw people into the context of the church. We had all the goods in that church. Anything that you could ever desire from a consumer standpoint as a church, we had those things. They were running 2,500 strong, and they were blowing and going. This was a well-oiled machine. There was a preschool program. There was a daycare. There was a, a vacation Bible school ministry that took place every single sun, summer that could, that could run anywhere from 300 to 500 kids. There was a children's department that was averaging um, 250 to 300 kids every Sunday. There was Sunday morning Sunday school, children's church, another Sunday morning Sunday school, another church service. There was, there was Sunday night. There was Wednesday night. There was Tuesday visitation. There was, there was Monday night basketball. There was Thursday night soccer. They had all sorts of things. It went from children all the way up to high school and college ministry, senior adult trips. They had it all going almost seven days a week. But do you know what wasn't happening? Do you know what wasn't the focus of the staff? Wasn't the focus of the congregation? What really didn't matter? Being intentional disciples. Making intentional disciples. Yeah, all that stuff was going and everything was going good. But you know what the focus was on? It was on keeping the machine running. Keeping the money flowing. You say, well, that's, that's kind of harsh. That's kind of extreme. No, it's actually not extreme. It's not extreme at all. You say, well, there must have been some good ministry taking place. You know how ministry was decided in that particular organization that I was a part of at that time? Ministry was decided by handing out a piece of paper that had the psychographic and the demographic data on it that told us the breakdown of where people were at financially in the context of the community. And based on that, they said, that's where we're going to go and do ministry. We're going to go and serve in the areas which can provide us with more finances. You say, well, that's, 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 really, that's really disturbing. It's really just marketing. And it's really what becomes the focus in an organization when the focus isn't upon Jesus. 
when it isn't upon being and making disciples. We'd see high-ranking numbers of baptisms, and the, and the membership would be dropping every single year. Why? Because we couldn't keep people entertained at the level that was necessary in order to keep them engaged. They would make a profession of faith, and they would walk away. They said, oh, I got my fire insurance. I'm good to go. That's all you said I had to do was pray this prayer, sign this card, get dunked in this water, and, and I don't need to come back. Carry that mentality out in a church body for a long period of time. It's carried out over 10 years. Do you know where that church is at now? They went from 2,500 running, going strong. They're down to six to 700 people. They said, well, that's still six, 700 people. They haven't stopped dropping at this point. Why? Because instead of the congregation's focus being about being and making disciples, it was about entertainment. See, the church, see, church body, the, the, the world doesn't need more entertainment. The, 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 the church doesn't need more entertainment. What we need to see take place in the context of our world, what we need to say take place in the context of our church is a lot more passion about making Jesus Lord and Savior over every aspect of our individual lives. And then seeking to see that accomplished in the lives of those whom we call our brothers and sisters in Christ that are around us. What we need is to, is to set aside the, the cheap grace that's been sold to us over the years of, of what it looks like to really be a part of the church, but really doesn't require repentance in our life. It doesn't require us to be questioned about our sincerity in our behaviors. We need to throw aside the grace that is without price. Therefore, it's without cost. We need to embrace the costly grace that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. See, Diedrich Bonhoeffer made the observation in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. What's plaguing our world today, let's be honest, this was written in the 1940s. He had come to visit America, and he was astounded at the consumerism that existed in the church in America in the 1940s. In the 1930s, it, it, it shocked him. So we need to calm ourselves before we talk about the good old days. Because what he observed is that there was this cheap grace that we, people were buying into. It was a grace without discipleship, a grace without the cross, grace without Jesus Christ, and it was absolutely incarnate. See, the costly grace that we have here in the scriptures the costly grace that, that Jesus Christ offers up to us, it's the costly grace that causes a man to see a treasure hidden in the field, and therefore he goes and he sells all that he has in order to obtain that field because of the treasure that exists in it. It's the, it's the cost that involves us giving our lives over to King Jesus to the point to where for, for the sake of our own walk with him, we would be willing to pluck out our eye in order to follow Jesus Christ. It's the cost that involves someone saying, oh, Jesus, you're calling me to come and follow you and leave my nets behind. I'm going to do exactly that. See, the costly grace that must be sought over and over again is the grace in which Jesus Christ offers, and it costs something. That grace costs something because it costs God the Father something. It costs his one and only Son, and yet we embrace a grace that doesn't cost really anything from us except for the fact that we give up about two hours on Sunday morning. 
See, we as a church body, as we seek to move forward into this next decade, intentional discipleship has to be a priority. We have to be intentional about saying, I am going to recognize the truths of Scripture and what God is calling me to do, and I'm going to respond to those truths in obedience and faith. You say, well, pastor, preacher, I've tried to do that before. It's really hard. It is really hard. Is there any way to make it easier? No. Because we are dealing with a sin nature. But I do know a way to make it harder. It's to stay where you're at today. I know how to make it harder is for you to continue hanging on to the back of the pew, continue hanging on to your pride, what you've gripped for so long because religion has held you in its firm grasp. What's going to make it harder is for you to continue resisting the prodding of the Holy Spirit upon your soul. What's going to make it harder is for you to disengage from the community in which God is placing around you, not as a means of, of simply just agitating you, but as a, as a means of, of prodding you towards holiness and righteousness and people who love and care about you, who call themselves your brothers and sisters in Christ, who want to see God wrought more in your life. What's going to make it harder is you resisting that that God has placed in you. What's going to make it harder is your resistance to open up his word every single day. Spend time studying and understanding what it said. What's going to make it harder is your avoidance to take the next step forward. In fact, it's not only going to make it hard, it's going to make it absolutely impossible, and it's absolutely what Satan wants you to do. In order for us to be the body of Christ that God is calling us to be, we have to be intentional about discipleship, about being and making disciples. Hey, here's some comfort for you. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. I am with you always to the end of the age. No matter what happens, no matter what goes on, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how many people reject you, no matter how many of your family members look at you side-eye, how many people judge you, no matter how any of those things, remember, Jesus has all of the authority. And the one who has all the authority has said, I'm with you. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like I'm with you, but I'm with you always. I'm standing right here. I want you to trust me. I want you to follow after me. Church body, you know what the word of God says. You see what, it, what the word of God says here in this passage of scripture. We've talked about it week after week after week. The question is, is are you going to do it? Don't merely be hearers of the word, but be doers also. Let's go to our Lord and Savior in prayer. Tell me, Father, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the clarity of your word. I want to thank you for the... For the...